So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, really excited to have this conversation with you today. Uh, I work with a lot of teams all over the world, a lot of top agents, obviously a lot of CEOs of companies, a lot of startups, and everything under the sun. And, you know, pretty much every single one of them says, how can I make more money? AKA, how can I increase my profitability? So I thought what I would do today, whether you're a brand new agent, you're a veteran, you're a tech startup, you're in the mortgage business, Um, it doesn't matter what you gross, my friends. The only thing that matters is how much money did you save at the end of the year? So I want to just share with you 10 ideas, 10 things that we know you can do, 10 things that you can, uh, you know, discuss with your CPA, talk with your team about, talk to your tax planner about, uh, talk with your spouse about and make some better decisions. So at the end of the day, you don't have another year that goes by where your top line revenue is phenomenal. And you're asking yourself, where is the cash? So with that said, I'm actually, if you're, if you're watching this on video, you see, I've got my laptop in front of me and I've, I've prepared a deck, uh, that I've shared a few times with a couple top teams and a bunch of our top clients. Uh, so if you're listening to me, uh, I will be, uh, doing my best to auditorily express everything that I see inside these slides. And I'm sure we will make these available. Uh, if you're listening to this at tomferry.com. So with that said, uh, increasing your bottom line and your profitability. So, would it shock you to hear the first thing I would tell you is you need to set a goal and make a plan, right? You need to figure out like what's most important to you about this goal. Like what do you really want? Right? Do you want to, do you want to gross 500,000, gross 5 million, gross 50 million, or do you want to net 200,000, 2.5 million? So what's the goal? What's the bullseye? What's the target? Uh, a lot of the discussion I've been in with people is whether you follow uh, OKRs or Ford Disciplines of Execution or EOS or any one of the other sort of management methodologies, it usually will say, look, you need to set your sights on three really important goals that you and the team can strive for. And one of the things that I've been calling out for people is don't complain about your profitability if you don't have a profit goal. If you haven't figured out a way as a solo entrepreneur to express to yourself how important it is, or if you're on a team, uh, you haven't figured out a way to tell the story about profitability and why it matters to your team, right? For you to grow, for you to scale, for you guys to be able to hire more people uh, because you're the founder and you're taking lots of risk and you want to be rewarded for that. You want to pay more bonuses, whatever it may be. Um, But it always starts there, like setting a goal and making sure that this is something that is uh, up and visual for you, in front of you at all times. Uh, so we can track and measure against it. Um, and then I wrote down behind that, obviously some other questions like what's important to you about this goal? Like, so you say, Hey, you know, I'm going to make $400,000 in my real estate business this year. And what I really want is I want a hundred thousand dollars after taxes, after all my costs to save. Right? So what's important to you about that motive matters, right? If you say you want to be profitable, you got to get clear on why you want to be profitable. Don't just, you know, well, you know, of course I want to make more money. Well, I hear that from people all the time. Why do you want to make more money? What is important to you about this goal? And then the second question I wrote down behind that is, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve it? 
What are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve your profitability goal? Heads up, there's a lot of people out there that you know what they do when they have a problem? They throw money at it. They throw money at it thinking that money can somehow solve the problem. And hey, maybe you've gotten lucky in the past and maybe it worked. But generally speaking, I found that it's more important for us to roll up our sleeves and actually figure out what we can do that cost us absolutely nothing to increase the profit or solve the problem. Too many people just throw money around like it's everywhere or they've got this mindset, well, I'm just, I just need to close one more deal. You know, if I just sell, I'm looking at Tristan, if I just sell one more bike, then hey, I can get it, right? Like, you know, it's just one more thing and that mindset. So, so maybe the sacrifice is you're not spending your money on dumb you-know-what for a while, right? And then the third question, just all under this first point of setting up a goal, is asking yourself who else can support you. I remember when my uh, wife and I, now 27 years, when we got married, one of the first things we did is we put up all of our debts on the bathroom mirror of our house on Vista and Trotta and Newport Beach, this little, you know, tri-level whatever condo thing we lived in. And on that bathroom mirror, it was like, okay, this much debt, this much debt, this much debt, this much debt, this much savings. And, and the support of both of us being aligned around, hey, how much money can we make? And how fast can we get out of debt so we can actually go out and do the things we really want to do? And, you know, it was the early stages of our marriage. Obviously, it was a new relationship. So maybe it's that. Or maybe it's with your assistant. Or maybe it's with your tax planner or your banker or your financial planner or, you know, your Uncle Larry who really wants you to do well. The bottom line is this, right? The more accountability you create and structure you create around this, the more likely it's going to happen. So if we just stop right there and I just said to you, look, you want to make more money, set a goal, right? Get crystal clear on why it matters and then figure out what's important to you about that goal. What's the why behind it? What are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve it? And the last one is who else can support you from there? It should be pretty obvious. The second step, and these aren't chronological. This is just, you know, the second thing that I wrote down is you've got to create a budget. So it's interesting to me, you know, now uh, having started as many businesses and then consulting for as many companies as I have, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm developing the plan for the year, we're usually starting with the financial budget, right? So in your case, you need to look at your costs, right? So, you know, if you think about like a, a typical uh, good real estate professional loan officer, uh, they've got an assistant, right? They've got uh, marketing and lead generation costs. They've got uh, education and coaching, yours truly. You've got supplies and you've got printing. You've got listing launches. You've got all things tech, right? Communications tech. Uh, you've got all of your dues. You've got auto insurance, insurances, E&O, equipment. You start breaking all that down. And, and what I tell people is, look, at the end of the day, you don't want to have more than 30% fixed cost. And I don't mean fixed in like you can have some variable obviously inside there, but no more than 30%, which puts you at a 70% margin business. Like that's a really good business, right? So obviously from there, you're going to budget your taxes. And you know, you've probably seen one of my most uh, popular videos on YouTube where I say, look, there's three kinds of money managers, people that are incorporated, people that take money and they automatically, every time they get a check, it goes to their business account, a percentage goes to their tax account, and then the balance goes to run their home life and their savings and everything else. So I'm going to assume that every time you get a check, you're budgeting for taxes, right? Whether you are in the US or Canada or Europe or Australia or New Zealand or Mexico, wherever, wherever I find you today, South America, um, 
taxes are just a part of what we pay to be in business and do what we do in our country. So I say to you, don't complain about it. Just allocate for it, right? <laughs> Figure out a way you can make even more money so you get the net that you want. So again, back to, back to this second point around budget is set up your operating expenses and try and have it be no more than 30%. And then figure out with your CPA, having a conversation there to say, you know, after my expenses and my write-offs and all the things that I'm able to do, you know, what am I looking at as, a, as an estimated percentage of my, uh, you know, post-cost profit and therefore taxation? And then the balance is your profitability. And, and here's the thing. It's not a tricky formula. It's, it's not complicated. Um, if you say to me, I'm just not a math person. I'm just not good with math. Boy, don't say that to someone you're negotiating with. And don't say it to yourself. Like, this is your business and, and money and profitability. If that's your aim and that's why you're listening to this, you have to start saying to yourself, business is math and I'm a math person and profit is math. I'm a math person. And you know what? Like having a big savings account is a math equation and I'm really good at it. I mean, if you're going to lie to yourself, you might as well lie to yourself in a positive way. I feel like I'm talking fast. I don't know. You'll have to give me some feedback and let me know. So operating expenses, again, you know, if you Google uh, typical operating expenses for a loan officer, typical operating expenses for a real estate professional, for a large team, for a brokerage, for a startup company, for a tech company, the good news is you're going to find a lot of information out there. Um, but start by just looking at all of your existing costs over the last 12 months. By the way, do you try and put everything on credit cards, right? Ideally, a credit card that publishes a list for you at the end of the year that says, here's all the money you spent on marketing. Here's all of your meals. Here's all your entertainment. Here's a bunch of service providers. So at least you can begin to look back and say over the last 12 months, right? TTM trailing 12 months. Here's what my expenses were right before we look at, you know, some of the other points, which are going to be, how do we reduce some of those expenses, reduce some of the waste. And most importantly, figure out how we're going to increase top line revenue. So operating budget, that's number two. Number three is I would argue if you really, really, really want to have a higher profit, you need to create a monthly P&L accountability meeting. Let me say it to you again. If you want a higher profit, you need to create a monthly profit and loss accountability meeting, right? And in this case, you know, with your team, with your coach, with your mastermind, with your CPA, with your financial advisor, with your spouse, with your puppy, again, the more structure you have around it. It's funny. I'm looking at Tristan right now and how many times I've said to him, how much money do you have saved? Like, right, he's laughing, right? Because it's like the, the people that I care about, I want them to win financially, right? It doesn't matter how much you make. It matters what you do with your money and how much you're able to be disciplined and save. So, I'm, you know, how, how's your stock, you know, how's the stock portfolio doing, right? Which, again, you know, you can't see Tristan. He's behind the camera or actually on his phone multitasking while I'm recording a podcast. My point to you is if you don't have the accountability in place, right, you're not going to do your P&L. You're not going to pay attention to it. You're going to fall into the trap of, let me just go find another deal. Let me just make a few more dollars. And then, uh-oh, now I have taxes owed and you got to scramble. And that's just not the way you want to be. You know, I was uh, on a board call recently for one of the businesses that I'm super excited about. It's uh, called Legend Spirits. And we have uh, one of the fastest growing tequilas, bourbons, it's, you know, spirits company, and then a new wine project. And myself and Martine and Chris and two of the senior executives, you know, we're beating up the profitability of the company. And even though it's a spirits company, it's a startup company. If you know anything about those, it's not often based upon profitability. It's more about how many cases you can sell and how fast you hockey sticking. 
I can't help it. I'm like, look, let's talk about what our costs are, who's being effective, where we have money waste, where, where do we have opportunity for greater growth? Because you have that kind of accountability in place, like I just know it's going to be a tighter ship. So I would challenge you as you're listening to this, do you have a P&L every month? Right? Do you have someone, you, your spouse, do you outsource it? There's a lot of outsourcing solutions. Uh, if you're a software junkie, there's tons and tons and tons of software, but somebody has to input all the data. No matter what, you should know how much money came in, how much money came out, and how much money is left, and then what goes to taxes, and then what goes to the house, and what goes to my actual profit. You got to know it. You got to know it. If you still want to be as profitable as you say, you got to know. Speaking of, number four on my list is just a question. When was the last time you sat down and reviewed all of your expenses, or better yet, asked your operator, your assistant, your admin, your spouse, so whoever's helping you manage the money, or your CPA to review everything you spend money on? Everything you spend money on. You know, they might say to you, you have a $400 a month Starbucks bill. They might say to you, what in the world are you doing with 800 pairs of shoes? Right now, I don't know, but I know a lot of people spend money on dumb stuff. A lot of people spend money unnecessarily. And I'm not saying, look, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not perfect. Believe me, if my wife was listening right now, she'd be like, you spend money on this and this and this and this. And yes, yes, we all have those things. I though have uh, a quarterly plan where we sit down and we review all the expenses my CFO, myself, my outside counsel, right? My CPA, my tax people, where they're auditing the books and they're making sure like, hey, you said you were going to do this. Here's what you've actually done. And then they just point things out like, what was this cost? Or how come you had this decrease in expense, right? And when you have that kind of support, and this may already feel overwhelming for you. I don't know. Maybe you're looking for some magic formula, some cookie that was suddenly you're going to eat it and become profitable. That's not how it works you got to work it like everything else. You got to work it. You got to pay attention to it. You got to manage it. You got to hold it accountable, right? You got to like constantly rigorously examine and re-examine what you're doing. So the question is, when was the last time you asked the people around you to look at all your expenses and propose a 3%, 5%, 10% reduction in non-growth costs? That's the key. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it. But when was the last time you actually looked at all your expenses that said, could I make a three, five or 10% monthly adjustment or annual adjustment in, in a reduction of non-growth costs, right? So remember in business, you've got cost centers and profit centers, cost centers and profit centers, cost centers are, I put money there, but it doesn't generate any more of it. So that could be simple example, maybe it's a runner that you have, right? Someone that's doing all your running and you say, well, no, they do make me money because they free me up. Okay, great. So then it's a profit center for you, but kind of, uh, maybe it's the third car that you own that you can't write off, but you're paying for as an example. Um, you know, know your tax laws. The bottom line is, look, if you say to me, well, gosh, I can cut back on my ad spend on name the platform. I would say to you, well, wait a minute, let's look at the numbers. Every time you give that a dollar, you make four. That's a profit center. Don't cut that back, right? Instead, let's look at ephemeralization. How can we get more from it? How can we increase conversion? How can we do even better? And then maybe spend even more 
Because anything I can put a dollar into and get four out, I want to give it like $4 million. You with me on this? It's a math equation. So really good to do that with your CPA because they're going to look at it completely different and actually make you break down and, and thoughtfully share what you hallucinate to be true as to why you spend the money the way you do. It's a really good exercise, especially if you want to be profitable. So what are you thinking about so far? I think I've gone through four of these and I'm only going to do 10. Um, what are you thinking about so far? What are you going to do? Is it set the goal? P&L meeting? Is it you know making this one of your primary objectives for the year, getting clear on your motivation? Is it your budget? Right? Is it creating some accountability on a monthly basis? What are you going to do? Do you all the above? So let's go one step further. Number five. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. If you say to me, I want to become more profitable, I'm going to say, then you need to measure the marketing investment that you make. You need to measure the marketing investment that you make so you can figure out the conversion percentage and therefore the return on investment by lead source. And if you're a team by sales associate, uh, I was talking to Spring, who's the wife of Brian. Brian is the founder of Sisu. And we were chatting, you know, she had more than 250 transactions uh, in the last 12 months. And that's a, that's a serious business, right? In the real estate business, anyway, you add it up, it's a lot of transactions. And we were chatting in a uh, live show actually where I was the guest and she was saying, you know, one of the big breakthroughs for her was actually looking at each one of her salespeople, each one of the lead sources that she gives to them, right? Hey, I gave you a Zillow lead, a realtor lead at this price point versus that price point. And, and she started to, to realize that people that she thought could convert really well actually didn't convert all that well. And people she thought were kind of the, you know, tortoise versus the hare, that the tortoise was winning. And the only way she would know that is if she measured. So, so if you really want to be profitable, you got to stop rolling the dice. It's not just your budget. It's also, okay, I got five salespeople on my team. I give them all the same amount of leads. Tristan seems to outperform Tom. Could I give Tristan more leads, right? Because if he's making me more money on my return on investment for my cost, like that's just common sense. And before you say, well, is that fair? I don't know. Like somebody in baseball has got to be clean up, right? And they usually put that person in the fourth position because they have the highest probability of knocking it out of the park and putting in runs, right? And the, the guy or gal that's going to, bat first, they have the highest probability of getting on base to create momentum. Uh, listen, I don't know what your meritocracy is, but mine is like, hey, if you know how to kill, I'm going to feed you a lot, right? Because I want you to eat. And I want you to be happy and be successful. So think about it for yourself. You might be a solo person, the solo agent saying, well, gosh, you know, I think my highest profitability is on my past clients and sphere because there's no cost there. And then I'd say, really? Are you sure? Have you broken down gifts and holiday events and all the things that you do? Have you looked at the fact that you might be decreasing your commission on average because they're friends? You know, maybe there's some outlier costs you're really not paying attention to. So, so maybe as you're listening to this, 
maybe the note that I would make is I'm going to go back and I'm going to break down every one of my transactions and figure out all the costs I had associated to them, at least the upfront, the, the leading costs, the direct mail that I send, the cost of the email. Email's free. No, the software isn't free, right? The time isn't free. Uh, the amount of text messaging and the SMS software that I might be using, right? There's a cost associated to every ounce of this business, even your own time. So number five, measure the marketing investment, the conversion percentage, and the return on investment per lead source by salesperson. That's a lot, but it's so big. All right, let's go to number six. I think it's actually number six. Uh, this is a great one. I love this question. I'll say it with people all the time, especially with like really, really smart people like you who is listening to this podcast. And that is, what is your most profitable transaction and how can you scale it dramatically? What's your most profitable transaction and how do you scale it dramatically? So I'll give you the backstory on this because the slide that I'm looking at actually has a bunch of sugar cookies on it. So I was, uh, I was introduced to a guy named Mike. Mike and his family have built many very successful businesses. Um, uh, I'm now spacing on it. That's horrible. But one was a very famous clothing line. Sorry, Mike, if you're listening. Tim Smith, you know who I'm talking about. You referred me. Anyway, I was sitting down with Mike and he was saying to me, you know, I've, I've thought about making this investment into real estate, that investment into real estate. would love to just pick your brain. Tim, you know, spoke highly of you. And I said, yeah, let's meet. So we sit down. I'm like, give me your background. Give me your backstory. He says, well, you know, St. John Nitz. Thank you. St. John Nitz. So he said, you know, um, my family started this company and then they sold it. And I think from memory, I think from memory, he bought it back again. I think they sold it again. Not hundred percent certain. So no fact checking here on the Tom Ferry podcast, just from memory. I got a smile out of Tristan. That's good. Um, but long and story short, I said, so what'd you do after that? He said, well, I decided I'd go into the cookie business, like cookies, like, you know, like chocolate chip, Oreo, that kind of thing. And I said, tell me more about that. He said, well, you know, I learned a long time ago that you can pretty much look at every business and say to yourself, if you're going to be in business, you got to have the macadamia nut. And I remember like writing notes in this, in this breakfast meeting, like macadamia nut. I'm like, okay. And then he goes, and you got to have the chocolate chip. And I was like, oh, okay, chocolate chip. And then he goes, but you really got to have the sugar cookie. And I'm like, okay, sugar cookie. And of course, my response was, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, okay, metaphorically, the macadamia nut is that, is that, super exclusive, very high end, uh, you know, piece of your business that, you know, maybe you sell one now and then and it's just bonkers, but you know, there's a lot of competition and it doesn't happen often. I was like, okay, I can think of that. Like super high end real estate was kind of the direction I was thinking or that odd, crazy property you might sell. Got it. And then he said, then you got to be in the chocolate chip space, which is like the bread and butter space. Everybody's in it. It's uber competitive, but there's a lot of costs there and there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of, um, you know, things that would, would impede, you know, high profitability because of just margins to do that business. He said, but then there's the last one, which is the sugar cookie. Costs you very little. You sell a ton of it and you got all the margin in there because of the low cost. And I was like, cool. And of course I'm listening to this guy and he's wildly successful. And, and of course you can play with those three in a lot of different ways. But what it really got me thinking was for all my clients, what is the most profitable transaction you do and how can you scale it? So if you want to increase profitability, if you go back to the earlier comment that I made, which was you should be measuring against every one of your lead sources, what your conversion percentage is and what your ROI is for you and for your salesperson, this one falls into it more. So, so, you know, um, I'll give an example, like in the real estate space as Zillow has moved from, 
you know, I think five different financial models of how they would sell a lead or a contact uh, to now ultimately saying we want a referral fee with their flex program. And they're not the only one. And I know some people will be like, yeah. And some people are like, right. What? Forget, you know, let, let the emotion go. Just listen to the example. Um, you know, a lot of companies are doing this home light and up nest and, you know, op city and just on and on and on and on. It's become, it's become part of the game. Um, what I tell people is, look, you have to decide, is that a profitable transaction for you? Yes or no. And if it is a profitable transaction, you should take on as much as you can. But last time I checked for most agents, the most profitable transaction is the listing that they take that they double end. Think about what I just said there. It's the listing they take that they double end. Now I know some countries, some states, right? There's, there's some legalese around that, but you know, I'm not telling you to break the law under any circumstances, just saying as an example, that's a really profitable transaction. Uh, another really profitable transaction is, for example, a come list me call from a geographic farm where, you know, you've been farming that area for years and you have baked in so much trust and so much respect in the community that you're just on the consideration set for a really large number of people. And they call you and say, Hey, Lydia, it's time to move. We want to sell our house and you're our gal. And, and, you know, you could say, but gosh, Tom, what about the upfront cost of direct mail? And I'd say, look, again, if I can spend a dollar and make seven, that's a profitable transaction. And that seems to be pretty typical for the vast majority of more experienced, more mature geographic farmers, as an example. Um, another one could be agent to agent referrals, right? Because gosh, I just built this network and this brand and I'm really like, I'm engaged with this great community. And I, yeah, I pay a 25% referral fee but really what I'm doing is I'm just relating and hanging out and having a ton of fun and bringing value and being a part of this community. And the, the 25%, sure, it's a price of doing business, but man, I love it. So yeah, maybe it's less profitable, but you'll love it, right? Maybe that was a bad example. You know what I'm saying. I'm just giving you ideas. Um, calling your past clients in Sphere, very low cost, very high return. Uh, calling an expired listing, right? Someone that tried to sell and it didn't work out. Very low cost, very high return, right? And again, if you can double end it, even better. My point is, if you just go back and you analyze through Sisu or any other, you know, any other platform that you use, an Excel spreadsheet, to really break down each one of your transactions, figure out the one that makes you the most net dollars for the time and money, right, allocated to it, and then ask yourself, how can I do way more of it? And if you can scale it, that should be part of your concentration because that's gonna increase profitability. So, let's keep jamming. I think I'm on number seven. I didn't actually write any numbers on these, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, number seven is, this is kind of a simple one, but a complex one, which is you need to maximize all available write-offs and expenses, which really means you need to know your tax laws. Like uh, my guy, Manny, big shout out to Manny and uh, Manuel Ramirez is his actual name. If you want to Google him, uh, you know, an unbelievable CPA tax planner, part of a huge firm that deal with a lot of businesses. When we first started working together, I was very blessed that he even take me on. Because uh, I had a very small company when I first started with him, so I've been able to grow with him. Manny is one of those people that, like, I, I know as you're listening to this, you're like, well, I don't have a Manny. You know, my Uncle Larry does my taxes. My Aunt Martha does my taxes. Let me give you a heads up. If Aunt Martha's doing your taxes, you're making a big mistake. If Uncle Larry is doing your taxes just because he's good with a calculator and you're not, 
Like that scares me. You're running a business. You need to surround yourself. The, the financial fortress, in my opinion, you need to have around you with a great attorney and then a really great attorney if something's really wrong, a great CPA, right? A great tax strategist, a great tax planner, people that it is their mission every single day to know legally and morally every single thing you can do to minimize your taxation, to have increased profitability. I don't know a wealthy person and I don't mean wealthy like bazillionaires. I, I don't know a wealthy person that's got 5 million bucks, you know, saved or, you know, 10 or 20 or hundred or 200 million that doesn't spend time studying the tax laws or spending a lot of time on the phone calling their people and saying, Hey, I heard about this. What do we do? What are the options? How do we make it work? Even if just to brainstorm. So if you don't have that financial fortress, if you don't have that team, I would strongly recommend you start interviewing people, start asking more successful entrepreneurs that you know, Hey, who do you work with? Do you like them? Would you refer them? Yes or no? What do you like? What do you dislike? Etc. How accessible are they? Um, I, I will tell you like, when we buy real estate, I usually end up calling two people before I actually call the agent about the property. I call my, my tax guy, right? And I call my bank and I say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. My, my, not my lender, my banker. Um, and I don't mean that like I'm some, you know, hooby do. I just mean like, you know, if you bank with someone long enough and your business deposits enough money, they will eventually say, would you like to have someone that talks to you and thousands of other people that are probably you know, more successful than you are as they are with me? And then I call them and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Like, you know, how, what, what should I be looking at? What should I be considering? You know, can I pull off this deal, et cetera? I surround myself with those kind of people because you know what? I need people to say no. I need people to say bad idea. I need people to say, you heard that information. It is incorrect. You cannot do it or it doesn't work in our state or it doesn't work in our country, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Because the last thing you want to do is make a mistake with your taxes. Just saying. All right, let's keep going. You're like profitability. You're talking taxes. Heck yeah. You want to increase your profitability legally, minimize your taxes as much as you can and you get the rest. That just makes a lot of sense to me. All right, here's an easy one. You wanna increase your profitability? Raise your average sales price. Let me say it to you again. Raise your average sales price. All you gotta do is go back to like J. Abraham 101. Three ways to grow any business. Increase the number of clients, increase the frequency of purchase, or increase the average purchase price. Same amount of work, higher commission. So. I would ask you, like, look around in your marketplace. Are you most comfortable at price X when price above X is available? At this point, especially as a Tom Ferry client, as a, someone in my community, you know that you can market your way into any price point. Yeah, it may take a little more time, and sure, there's lots of competition, but there's lots of competition in every price point. So if you can raise your average sales price, do it. Many of my clients, we say every single year as we're doing our budgets, we say, okay, and we'd like to sell the most expensive home we've ever sold ever in this year. Because that one commission that, you know, if your average commission is 10,000 and you suddenly do one for 40, or your average commission is 40,000 and you suddenly do one for 400,000, and yes, those happen all the time. One of my clients got a check this year, a commission check for $1 million. Like that's bonkers. You with me on this? that can have such a massive increase on your profitability. And it is something, not that you have full control over, but you can farm your way there. 
You can geo-target market your way there. You can prospect your way there. You can do something about it. All right, the next one is one that I have been talking about for seven years because it's a trend that's going in the wrong direction. It's called commission compression. Here I'm saying raise your average sales price to make more money per transaction. On the flip side, I keep saying to people, you think it doesn't matter in the moment when you say, okay, the, age, the other agent and I are going to throw in a piece to get this deal closed. Uh, you think it doesn't matter, but when you do that 18, 20, 100 times, it really adds up. It really matters. So I just, I just wrote down like the example. Your average sales price is $500,000. You charge 2%. It's 10 grand. You charge 2.75, it's 13.75. It's a big difference, my friends. So what I would tell you is if, if you're listening to this, if you, if you are as savvy as I believe you are, because you're listening to this podcast about this subject, if you haven't taken the time to listen to people like Chris Voss to really figure out how you're going to negotiate, uh, negotiate more effectively for your own fees, if you haven't done that, please start. The number of agents I've met that literally I'll, I'll, I'll have this old calculator in my office, uh, and I mean like old, like 30 years old, like haven't put it in the budget to get a new one clearly. Uh, I would literally clackulate. I'm like, okay, so what'd you do last year in volume? Oh, we did uh, 51 million. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I would immediately go, you know, like 2.5% as a safe estimate. I'd say, so you made about this much? They're like, no. I'm like, you made more? Awesome. I'm like, no, actually less. And I'm like, wow, that, that means you, you netted 1.9% per side. I'm like, is that the average in your area? Or are you just really good at giving your shekels away? And sometimes they'll laugh and sometimes they're offended. I don't mean to be offensive. I just mean, look, if you can't negotiate your own fee, how in the world are you negotiating for all these clients? This is a skill that everybody has to, to really take on because, I mean, hey, how many times do you get asked, hey, you, will, you write up the, will you write up this offer? You can represent us, but you give us 25% of your commission, 70% of your commission. We hear this all the time. I go on these all these real estate forums and I see that objection coming up all the time. By the way, that has existed when I got started in this business 30 years ago. The same thing was happening. And it's the rich and the rest. The rich know how to negotiate their fees as high as they possibly can. You know, I mean, meaning the higher than the median that you see in the MLS, you with me? And then the rest, which is the vast majority of people don't know what to do. So they just give it all away. And again, uh, maybe you feel guilty about it. Maybe you're like, oh my God, it's, it's $10,000. Like my parents made $40,000 a year and I get one check for 10,000. Let me remind you of something. You didn't get a check for 10,000. You got a check for $3,000 to your expenses to run your business, 3,500, maybe four, maybe 50, like $5,000 to go to taxes and the balance is yours. I get a check for $10,000. I never think I have $10,000. I'm like, okay, if I'm lucky, I got like 3,800 out of this. Like that's my share. Everything else goes to taxes and expenses. So you got to change your thinking, change your perspective and realize that if you can just go incrementally from 2.25 to 2.5, from 2.5 to 2.65 on the 18, 20, 30, 800 transactions you're going to do, it really really adds up and listen, it goes to the person you want it to, which is you and your profitability. Okay. Next one is, and I actually think this is the last one. What additional revenue sources could you add? What additional revenue sources could you add to your business 
that because you're already marketing, you're already prospecting, you're already doing all these great things, you could tap into something else. So is it fix and flips, right? Fixing and flipping properties because you found that house that you're like, wow, 15, 20, $80,000 into this thing and I can turn around and sell it. And instead of getting a two and a half or 3% commission, I could make like 9%, 12%. This is bonkers. Could you do development? Is that an option for you? Different from fix and flip, but maybe you'd say, hey, look, I found a zoned R2 lot, right? With a single family house on it. I'm going to flatten that baby and I'm going to build, you know, two houses or I'm going to build a duplex or a triplex and keep it. Um, you know, could you start a property management division? Could you create an investor syndication with your business? There's a lot of different ways, my friends, that in the real estate business, you could be buying notes. Like there's just so many things that you can do because you're building your brand, because you're creating, creating a lot of trust, because you're providing a lot of value. There's a lot of ways that you could leverage your brand in housing to make way more money. So I'd ask you to think about that as well. All right. So that's it. That's what I wrote down. That's the, uh, that's the Tom Ferry podcast experience number. Gosh, only knows. I have no idea, but my assistant Ruby just walked up, which means I have to go to a meeting and I know Tristan's got to get on an airplane. So I got to bounce. I'll leave you with one last question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I've given you all these ideas. Ideas are meaningless unless you make a decision and you start taking action. I want you to be rich, not just rich with your health, with your relationships. I want those too. I want you to be rich with some money. I want you to have the cat. I almost sounded like Tina Doe, my CFO there. I want you to have the money. That's how she talks. I absolutely love it. Um, we should get Tina on the podcast. I want you to be wealthy. I want you to walk in your bank and have them stop and start clapping because that abundance is available and it doesn't matter where you came from, what your background is in this business, everybody can do it, starting with you. So set your goals. How much profitability do you want, right? How much savings do you want? How much debt reduction do you want? How are you gonna surround yourself with the right people? How are you gonna create the right structure, budgets, accountability? Maybe it's setting a target for an average of a 2.75 retained percentage on your commissions. I don't know, you know. Decide and act. Thanks so much for listening to this or watching it. I wish you nothing but the best. I'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.